to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show live from Orlando, Walt Disney World Resort. Oh, I got an audience in front of me too. My wife's right <laughs> doing her stuff. But I am Jordan Wiegand and I am joined as always by Mr. Front Row himself, Logan Stump. Is that what they're starting to call me on the streets? That's kind of exciting. Well, well, I mean, you've arrived in Orlando. I'm imagining just people going, you know, Front Row, front row Logan. But no, it's... Uh, it was cool, man. I was like, I, remember who's his editor? Uh, it's this right. Guy. That is true. Uh, my editor-in-chief, my producer, my boss. Um, some people even call him my side podcast, uh, podcaster. So, No, you have a side podcast. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we're not able to be in the same room to do this. I don't even know how that would work, honestly. I, I worry that's about what I was thinking. Like, my mic picking up you and yeah. your mic picking up me and just what? picking up each other. We're in the same room. We just use one mic. No, it wouldn't be as good then if we use just that's one true. mic. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I know. I like. I know that the guys over at Austin TV, like, uh, they do. Or we are Austin TV. They do like the studio. But well, they like, have the legit mics. They have the yeah, they, they have, like, have the yeah, sure mics. mics. Um, but I like. I was sitting there thinking about. I'm going. Would we have to be on the camera? And then. My thing would be like, am I looking at you too much or am I looking at the camera? Like, how does that work? You have to I do was, both. Yeah, like, you kind like, of like, like you're on TV. Right. You have to like kind of stand like this where you're looking at, looking at both. <laughs> uh, but we're not here to talk about uh, what could be with the podcast. We're here to talk about uh, all of the MLS action that took place yesterday on Saturday, March 4th. And Logan was at the game. If you were following our Twitter feed, you saw that he had a really great seat in the press box. Lucky, lucky guy. And then uh, <laughs> he's going to go through his experiences with that. He got some great um, clips as well from uh, the managers and some players. So we'll play those as we get to the game. But overall, we really just want to talk at first just about um, – the weekend as a whole. And I just realized as we're kind of doing this on the road here that I forgot to pull up the, the word document that has all of our notes um, on the computer. So let me, let me get that. I okay. Say, I just did the same thing. I was like, Oh, the episode <laughs> notes, it throws me off that you're not in front of a green screen or uh, sorry that you're not in Subaru park in their press box. Right. In, in the press box at Subaru right. park. Yeah. With the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> where it still says Talon Energy Stadium. Yeah, it's confused. Uh, yes, I can't find a more updated one. Okay, so three clubs click. Three clubs kicked off their campaign as of this recording. LA Galaxy, LAFC, and the Chicago Fire. LAFC opened up with a home win against Portland. Chicago Fire hosted NYCFC. And Dallas hosts the Galaxy. So we'll be talking about those games and how those uh, teams started off the season. We did get some... Uh, news roundups here. Sporting KC has acquired the defender Danny Rosero from Columbia's Atletico Junior. Uh, so that'll help their defense, uh, but they got to get some more goals. This is kind of the problem that they're having so far in the young season. Santiago Rodriguez returns to NYCFC as a designated player. Um, so he was on a 18-month loan uh at, from the uh, Uruguay-based City Football Group, um, so he, so he's coming in uh, eight games, uh, eight goals, 12, eighteen assists, and sixty games for NYCFC in his previous stint. So, uh, good start, uh, good move for NYCFC. You really needed to start bringing in some players because they have been god awful. We'll talk about them uh, as we get later in the show. And kind of like the uplifting note that's not like a transfer, it's just St. Louis, right, kicked off their first ever home game at City Park. And uh, things were not really going well for them to start the game. But, you know, their fans, this is a big thing, right? The fans never sat down during the whole game. They had, um, sorry, it looks like an earthquake because my wife is erasing something. Um, They kicked off uh, their season and they had nobody sitting like the entire game. They had like little placards that they hold up, like the cards, uh, the spell out stuff. So it was a really cool moment. And I, I'm pretty sure I flipped over to MLS 360 to like catch the opening of that because I really wanted to see how the atmosphere would be at St. Louis. You know, I, I think I saw somebody um, – I think it was uh, Cheyenne from, you know, between uh, clean sheets where, where she posted that tickets for Charlotte, St. Louis were going for like $500. And uh, she said that she had paid like less than half of that or more than less than half of that for a world cup knockout stage in 2022 Qatar. So kind of a crazy, I guess the demand of, of, St. Louis there, but also, you know, we just signed with MLS, just signed with Ticketmaster. So I mean, that could just have been $400 worth of fees as, as we're accustomed to now. But yeah, so, I mean, they had a great stadium display. They had a TIFO, they had a full stadium card display. Everything was going great. Sold out crowd of 22,423. And the first goal scored at city park was not from a St. Louis uh, player. It actually went to uh, Charlotte, and it was um, uh, Copetti who scored the first goal in City Park history. But Charlotte equalized, and it was an own goal. I mean, not Charlotte equalized. Sorry, St. Louis equalized. It was an own goal, and uh, so it was still no actual St. Louis player that had scored when it was one-one. But they finished the game three-one. Logan and uh, they did get a penalty to make it two one. And that was the first ever 
goal scored by an actual St. Louis player at their new stadium. And that was uh, Edward Leuven uh, or Loven, right? Uh, it's like umlau over the O. Uh, but he was the first one to score a player. Sorry, I have two hours of sleep. He was the first one to score as a player of St. Louis. And then Klaus uh, finished it in the 71st minute. Uh, really, he was gifted that goal. I mean, that was uh, – we, we saw a lot of that in the early two weeks here of just defenders just kind of handing the ball over to attackers. But before we kind of dive into the game, because that's kind of the game I want to start with, Logan, just kind of talking about the fans and the atmosphere, what was your thoughts as you got to sit down and watch, you know, kind of replay of it or highlights of it after you came home from the from the Orlando game? Yeah, so it was actually one of the games that I turned back on just to kind of see how the atmosphere was. And I was shocked by just how alive that fan base was. And I guess it shouldn't shock me because I, I've I've been around St. Louis fans for so long. And again, I'll say it every time that I talk, it's not St. Louis until it dies. But um, I'm a Cubs fan. So seeing their support for the Cardinals and just at Sports City in general, it's just electric. And, you know, there, there was a, a a uh, news article that was written that said that they had 25,000 seats that it can fit 25,000 on a good day. Um, not including like special invitees and things like that standing room or the press boxes or whatever it might be. And they said that 60,000 people wanted season tickets and they had to go into like this wait list. And uh, it just, it shows and Jordan, it's, it's one of those stadiums that right. It's built to look like a premier league stadium. Like it, it feels when I was watching it, it's the only stadium that I've ever turned on in MLS that I felt wasn't Americans. That wasn't the American stadiums. It, the way that it looks and sits in the dark, it looks Premier League. And it I don't know what it is about it, I think, because it goes up quickly. I, I don't know. And it sits down and it sits dark. And it just... If you went up quickly, you, you want to go to Audi Field. Because really? let me tell you, <laughs> I took my dad there for his birthday <laughs> in like 2018 after it opened. And... Those seats are steep, man. Uh, like, I, I don't know how many people I heard mention about like how they felt like they were gonna like fall down these stairs, you know, especially for people that have been drinking. Like that, that's kind of a worrisome thing. But no, I, I understand what you mean about St. Louis the stadium. I thought it looked really cool. Um, it's kind of like the game I was focused on, especially after the Union game finished. I was kind of really focused on St. I, th- I like I turned that one on. I turned off. MLS 360 put that on my phone and then watched uh, the the actual um, broadcast of St. Louis and Charlotte. And I thought that one was a really exciting match, you know, 2-1 at halftime. And the fact that St. Louis, by the way, here's a stat that Fox uh, tweeted out earlier today, I think it was, uh, that scroll back up st louis becomes the fourth expansion team in mls history to win both of their first two matches and the fact that they sit like six you know six points and if we're looking at the west they're sitting in second place now here's the thing it kind of feels eerily similar to austin's first season where austin was started out the season pretty good in their like first five or six games and then kind of tailed off so you know, still wondering, is that going to be an issue for St. Louis? Is it just, you know, kind of like everybody was amped up for that home game in the first game of the season that they went out and got those wins? Or, and I want to ask you this, do you think that they're actually a team that might be able to put together a good season? 
or is it just like this adrenaline of our first ever game and our first ever home game? And maybe they might tail off a bit like next week. You know, it was interesting. Uh, and I had that thought too. I was like, okay, so they start with six points and Andrew Weeby actually was the one that brought up the stat. Uh, I think on the MLS wrap up show where he said, I think 80% of teams, it's like right around the 80% mark. 80% 78. Was it 78? I okay. think so. I think that's what I saw. Yeah, 78% of the teams that start with six points usually make the playoffs, which is – I mean, that's that's crazy to think that – and we here we were – because, again, when we're doing previews and stuff, I, I think people are always like, oh, man, they, they always go back on the new team. I'm like, you cannot predict a new team because you just don't know how it's going to go. They usually have such an infusion of different players and coaches and players from different countries. You have no idea how it's going to go. I, I thought, you know – when you look at Atlanta United and how they come into the league and they came in like gangbusters, and then you have somebody like Charlotte who come in who are kind of middle of the pack, but then you really have somebody like Cincinnati who comes in and stinks up the joint for a couple of years. Like you, you just don't know. You've got the whole spectrum of what these teams can look like. And I think with this expansion side, Jordan, I'm impressed with their defense. Uh, honestly, I thought even holding uh, Austin to two uh, goals and then, now holding um, Charlotte's one, I, I thought they played well defensively, and I think they'll get better defensively with Tim Parker back there. I think that's a solid, solid add. And you and I talked about this with the guys over at Ball Watching, and we said, hey, you know, this team's going to be a good team, I think, uh, competitively. We didn't know that they were going to be this good, I think. And I think this was a pretty good test to see just how good they might be. And, and I'm interested to see them play bigger clubs, you know, like uh, – if they're going to run up against the Seattle, if they're running up against the Portland, um, they've already taken care of Austin uh, and they capitalize on mistakes. And I think Klaus is a legit goal scorer. And I think that's somebody that can score in this league. And that's all you really need in this. So David commented here on YouTube. What do you think of St. Louis city SC that became the fourth expansion team to win the first two games? Hey, that's actually what we were just talking about right before you joined us. But yeah, I mean, I we're kind of trying to figure out, is it the high of the first ever game? and the first ever home game that has led them to this? Uh, or is it an actual solidly built team? I, I do think they have a lot of good pieces. It's just the question of they're in the Western Conference. Western Conference is tougher than the Eastern Conference. It's funny, I was just recording you know, the closed pyramid uh, yesterday before I left, and uh, that's going to be talking all lower league soccer. And I was previewing the USL Championship, and that episode's going to drop Thursday. But – it was very similar. USL championship, Western Conference, very strong. Eastern Conference, not. And I was just kind of, it was just kind of funny to see that that is something that is a trend, not just in our, um, not just in our MLS league here, but in uh, USL championship. But I, I, I think St. Louis City is probably going to. I, I think I'm going to raise my expectations from our previous show. I think I had them like last in the West. I think that they can finish better than that. Like you said, 78% or something uh, of teams that have six points out of their first two games can, uh, you know, make the playoffs. Now, of course, that number is probably going to be yeah. astronomically higher. Now we have nine playoff teams instead of seven. So, uh, oh yeah. So here, here you go. David says, as a St. Louis city fan, I was so happy yesterday. I was in city park watching their match. That's awesome. Uh, that is really great to hear because, uh, you know, people have talked about St. Louis as being a hotbed of American soccer for, for so long, and they just never really got the chance for the team until really once the Rams left, did, did that really start kicking the tires more and more? But, I mean, it was electric watching that game and, like, the atmosphere 
and how everyone was willing their team to win it, and that they didn't really let it get them. Like they were quiet a little bit, right? After the first goal, because it was a shock. I, I didn't think Charlotte was creating super much there at the beginning of the match. And then they just totally rebound. You get a little luck, right? You get to Aloma's own goal, you know, and it was funny because it was like right before that they were talking about, I think like a corner kick where they're like, watch to Aloma. He scored a lot for Portland. And then, you know, he, he didn't score there. And then like a, a couple plays later, he, he's scoring one on his own net. It took a he's weird that bounce. Good. Was it? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've scored for my team before. I'm going to score against my team now. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm super excited for what St. Louis is doing as, like, a whole. I think that they're getting it right right now. And uh, do we think that they can win against the Portland Timbers? I would say it's MLS. There's no reason to think that they can't win against the Portland Timbers, especially – I was kind of hot and cold on the Timbers because I thought they played pretty okay against SKC. You know, they took some chances. They got only one goal. I felt like they, we talked about it last week. We felt like they should have scored more than one, but uh, you know, then it was three nil LAFC early in that game and they clawed their way back to three, two. And they almost, they almost got an equalizer against LAFC. So really I think it depends on what Timbers team shows up and what i would say for st louis as uh, like what they need to do is score first and, and try not to let them back into the game you know st louis has had two very different games where they had a lead against austin blew it then went down and then came back and then this game where they started off down and then had to come back and put them away so I do like that they've won two different ways with like, you know, two different type of score lines that they were going for. But in my opinion, the way that the Timbers are playing, it would be better for St. Louis to, and this sounds dumb to say because every team would want to go up a goal uh, first, but I feel like that's what St. Louis would want to do is, is get a one nil, but you can't let the Timbers back into it because they showed against LAFC the best team in MLS that once they were let back in, you know, three, nothing, I, I was over at my parents' house and, and I watching three, nothing. I'm like, this game's over. And then all of a sudden it's three, two in the 80th minute. And you're, you're like thinking, okay, they actually have a chance here to make this interesting. So really, I guess it depends on what type of Portland team shows up because I do think St. Louis can probably hang with Portland, like no problem. Yeah. And you're going to Providence park and, and having, uh, now talk to Oscar Perea and, and Pat Noonan. Uh, I think the expectations of MLS coaches to, is to get a result of some kind on the road. And usually they're okay with getting a point on the road. And I think in this league, Jordan, you and I have covered this enough to know a point on the road is uh, exponentially better um, in the long run to help you uh, increase your chances of making the playoffs. And I think with nine teams now getting in the playoffs, you get a point in Providence Park, one of the toughest places to play in MLS, especially with how cold it'll probably be, with how rowdy the fan base is, um, with Evander out there playing as one of the best tens in this league at that point. You know, they're a tough team to beat on uh, at home. So, again, I, I think, yes, I, I think Seattle – or, sorry, Seattle uh, – St. Louis can stick with uh, Portland. I just think it's a matter of – like, the, the roof has to come down a little bit, right? 
uh, at some point. You're, you're, you're six goals in. Uh, you're leading, uh, tied for the lead, and the whole league with goals scored with Seattle, who's mm-hmm. looked like the cream of the crop. So I, I'd, ex- I'd expect some regression. But again, I, I think even with a little bit of regression, I think the St. Louis team is pretty damn competitive. Yeah, and I think what we also have to uh, think of that's a good question, David. I'm, I'm not actually sure if it, who would win their first, like win their first three matches. I'll check and see if I can find. Yeah. See if you can it. find that. If anything, I would think maybe the fire, they won the MLS cup that year. So I would think that that's probably your best bet 1998. But what, what I would think here is St. Louis is kind of like still a big question mark for me. Like I love the fan support. I like how they've been playing. But, you know, Austin didn't really impress in their first two weeks. Um, and, you know, so nobody expected St. Louis to, to do as well as they did in that game. So, obviously, you got to give credit to St. Louis. I'm not trying to not. But then also you look at what Charlotte is, and Charlotte is probably not going to live up to expectations this year is my thought. So, at the end of the season, we might look back and say these were two games that they should have won. Um, maybe the Austin one's still still questionable. But I think the Charlotte one is one that they should, probably could look at and say, we can beat up on this Eastern Conference team that is kind of in a weird spot after a successful season last year. And it, it doesn't really feel like – I don't really know what to say about Charlotte. The, the fan support is there just as it is in St. Louis, but I'm kind of like, I don't know if they did enough to really convert like the team into a better team for this season. So I, there, there's question marks there. I think, I think Charlotte is a, is a kind of a question mark. I think the first big test was Austin, but I think the next big test is can you go on on an away game to Providence Park against Portland, who's hot and cold, uh, but they have a great manager in Giovanni uh, Savarisi, and then can you get at least a point? I think think getting a point there, like you said, Logan, would be uh, pretty big. I mean, think about it that way. St. Louis, seven points in three games. I think anybody in St. Louis would have taken that if you had told them at the beginning of the season with that schedule. So if they can go there and get a point, I think they'll feel uh, pretty good. I can almost confidently say that no team has ever started with three straight wins mm-hmm. out of their first three. So yeah, I'm you only right have to look at those at four teams. Fire. Yeah. You only have to look at those four teams, right. um, which were LAFC, the fire. Chicago Fire. And I might be able to find it. It was on um, Austin, maybe. No, Austin definitely did not. Chicago Fire did not start. They started with two wins straight and then lost to the KC Wizards. Um, Jordan, the attendance for that game was 4,000 people. <laughs> That's like smaller than That's some USL insane. crowds now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. All right, look, then... up, look up Seattle 2009 and LAFC 2018. LAFC 2018? Yeah. Did they win three in a row? First three. Sounders right now. Um, Sounders looks like. Yes. They won three. Sounders. Wait, what the heck? Why the hell? No, never mind. They were, they played some USL team 
unless Ventura County was an MLS. No, sorry, that's preseason. Hold on. Um, regular season. Yes, there we go. Seattle did win their first three against the Red Bull, RSL, and Toronto. So, All right, now no. look up uh, LAFC. LAFC, what, 18? 2018, right. first three games. Yep. Find that out. David, meanwhile, says City Park is a good stadium. I like it. The fans are amazing. It's a beautiful ballpark. You know, I'd rather that than – I know Charlotte's getting 60000 at Bank of America, but I'd rather probably have a soccer-specific stadium if it's 22 than a football stadium that fits 60 that's playing on – Turf, I, or are they going to grass at Charlotte? I don't remember. I think they're moving from grass to turf is what they did. Uh, LAFC uh, did not in their first three. Okay, so really if they if they do win their third game, they will be the second team, it seems like, uh, to do that with Seattle being the first. That's pretty That's insane. Yeah, I'm glad I did that research. That's kind of fun. There you go, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I guess let's move on to some of these other games here. We had, uh, I talked a little bit about LAFC three, Portland two. I predicted a two, one LAFC win. And at, when it was three, one, I was like, Hey, I was kind of close. And at three, two, I felt like, Hey, I was kind of close. Cause I was only, you know, like it was, it was a one goal loss for Portland, but you know, they had some great coverage on Apple TV. And I think on Fox too, of the ring ceremony, Gareth Bale was there. Like Will Farrell was there. Bale walked out MLS Cup. Um, that that was just really cool seeing how they did that whole um, broadcast, and you know uh, they got to reveal the banners that they put up there. So just really cool to see that and them getting their uh, championship rings, which I know is different from other leagues, right? They usually get medals, but I, I like the rings better. I, I think that's just something America gets right in our sports but uh so portland had a lot of trouble defending set pieces that uh lafc got for their first two goals and uh a poku goal made it three nil and then like we said it was three nil everybody's flying high you know you're thinking this game's done and dusted already and then evander scores uh and then Paredes scores to make it 3-2, and that's how it finished. But, man, I was I was actually, like, my emotions, not really emotions, I guess, because I'm not a fan of, like, I'm not, like, a, a fan fan of either team. But it was just, like, as a casual watching, started pulling for Portland to equalize to just make it even more hectic, right? Uh, I like, usually whenever that happens, whenever a team's winning, like, 3 nothing, and then if, if teams get, like, two goals, and then, uh, you know, it's like the 80th minute. I'm like, ooh, this would be fun if somebody else, if they equalize here, because just the chaos, right? MLS after dark, even though it was a 4 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, I, I, I in the same way. Like, whenever teams start to come back into it, if they're not a, a team that I'm rooting for, I'm like, all right. Like, I'd love to see a comeback, uh, especially because I think, it's more fun to uh, as a casual to see a team come into a ring ceremony and blow the team out. Um, usually they do ring ceremonies against the teams they've beaten to get to the ring, um, which is always kind of fun. Um, in this case, I don't think. No, because they, no, I mean, yeah. well, they, they beat Portland to win supporter shield yeah, in Portland. Right. So that that's was true. still a, that was still a, 
a big thing, I guess, um, to kind of show off against Portland. Did you see the ring? Yeah, yeah, it looks cool. It's it's dark. Beautiful. It's really nice. Yeah. But they even carried out the supporter shield, too. So they still kind of rubbed it in. Uh, That's fun. (laughs) They carried out the supporter shield. They carried out the Western (laughs) Conference (laughs) final trophy. And then they wheel out MLS Cup. Yeah, so, but then they called the U or they called Seattle for the Concacaf Champions League. Like, can we borrow it? We're playing Portland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's show this off. Let's yeah, team up here. But all in all, uh, LAFC start their season with three points. We didn't get to see them last week due to the weather issues. Looked pretty good for a good chunk of this game, and then the defense was kind of a, a worry there. Maybe they got a little too comfortable. Is kind of the vibe I got with it, but. Um, I think at the end of the day, LA fans at home are, would be happy with three-two win, even if it got a little nervy there. Starting off with three points, they had a great ring ceremony. They didn't had like they didn't have a part that like dampened the day afterwards, like you know where you get your rings and then like lose the game. So I don't know. I I, I thought for a while I was like three 0 I was like this is the best team in MLS, and you know maybe it still is. But then 3-2, I was like, maybe it's not. Maybe we were right to kind of think that they might regress just a little bit. Anything to add or are you good? Uh, no, I think you're right. <laughs> like, it's so weird because when these teams are playing, when the teams are playing their first games, it's kind of like, oh, I forgot. Like, they're on their first game. But then you look at the second week and go, God, teams were awful this week. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have a few of those. So. Um, talk about a team that turned it around, though. Columbus Crew lost 4-1 yeah. to the Union last week. They go out and beat D.C. Uh, in Columbus 2-0. Uh, there's also a funny story I, I was talking about here. Uh, it was on uh, the commentary. Lloyd Sam used to play for D.C. United. He was talking about Stephen Goff, who covers D.C. United uh, for the Washington Post. And he was just saying that, like, how great of – like how tapped in Stephen Goff is because uh, he even broke the news of Lloyd Sam being uh, released from the team, you know, a few years ago. And that was the way that Lloyd uh, found out <laughs> about getting, which sucks, you know, like we, we hear about this with baseball too, where we're and NBA and all that, where players will find out of trades and releases through Twitter or through TV. And it's kind of like, can you just give the heads up before you break the, break the news? But I guess not. But it seems like Lloyd Sam wasn't like uh, salty about it. He actually was really like praising Stephen Goff about it. So that was that was cool. Um, but Zella Ryan, uh, who played pretty well in the first half last week, comes out, plays a great game this week. Uh, he scores uh, what two goals, right? Um, and just like some really good finishes too. Uh, that. I, I don't know. I mean, like, this is exactly the crew team I thought we were going to get under Nancy. I thought they were going to be better. This is like as if they had finished more of their chances against the Union. That You know, they didn't really put that many on target. They got some shots last week, didn't put a lot on target. This week, you know, they kind of get rewarded by putting some on target and scoring two goals. And D.C., you know, had some chances that kind of flew over the bar. But other than that, it, it was mostly – you know, Columbus um, at home playing well, get Wolf Renanzi's first win as a crew manager. The TIFO was in French. That was cool. 
but yeah, no, I, I like you said, Jordan, and and you texted. I will never forget this. You texted me and said this this Zellerion Chucho connection uh, this season is uh, off to a flying start and one that should be very dangerous for the league. And you said they're absolutely dominating the Union. Well, then they go in and they they play DC at home and they just uh, it's just domination from from the the initial uh, whistles. So I think that with the crew, um, I think they even look to add some pieces in the summer. And then this team becomes one of the contending teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't remember where, where do we have them? You had them. I had them in the playoffs. I think. Sixth. Yeah, you have them in sixth, and I have them in seventh. Okay. So, uh, that, yeah. That's the high end of the playoffs. That, yeah. That's almost home field. But advantage. I just want to correct myself here. DC yeah. did have actually more possession and more shots. They had 15 yeah. shots to Columbus's 12. But again, like Columbus got more shots on goal than DC, and that's what helped, you know, four shots. On goal, two of those got converted, but still out of 12 shots, uh, four of those only on goal. They just got to get better at kind of hitting the target. But that that first goal by Zellerion, assist goes to Chucho Hernandez. So there you go. We're getting getting that link uh, going as well. By the way, 20,000 people, lower.com field, whatever it's called. Okay, uh, so let's move on to a, a game that I thought was pretty thrilling, and I, I guess surprised that we didn't pick this as one of our games of the week, right? Atlanta-Toronto, this was uh, a fun one. Toronto took a lead with the Bernadeschi goal uh, to start the second half. Insigne is out still, but it sounds like he may not be out that long compared to what maybe we were speculating before. And then just eight minutes later, Atlanta come back and equalize. And they actually held on to most of the ball and had more scoring chances. There was also a, a, a one where they were close to scoring the winner, Georgios Yakamakis, right, who comes in first game ever. He got transferred, right? He's coming in first game as a Atlanta player, hits the ball in the back of the net. They call Pirata offside in the build-up to the play, and – I don't see that. I don't. I don't see that he was offside. It looked no angle that they showed me was I like, oh, that was the right call. I thought it looked so borderline that he looked onside, and I think that in those circumstances, we should let let it play. You know, people want to see goals; they don't want to see offside flags. It's kind of my thought there. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. I, I saw one tweet that was like, uh, uh, supposedly the the officials on the side. Are so are usually told to you know to keep the flag down and let VAR decide. And had they done that, Jordan, it would have been a goal because then it's inclusive. You don't know what the evidence is actually saying, so then it would have counted as a goal. Which I thought was an interesting perspective because if she had kept the flag down, um, then you've got no offside call because that's what they're kind of taught to do. I think the same thing with the NFL is they're taught not to do it until you know they they're told to call it as you would on the field as you saw it, and then maybe not call it if, you, if you've got other things. Basketball as well, uh, they do – I think it's a three-point line. If they, you step on the line, not to call it and let it kind of play out. Same thing in baseball. So it, it's interesting that I, I didn't really think of that perspective of, like, if she had kept her flag down, like sometimes they're taught to do, then this would have been a goal going the other way, and Atlanta gets three points. So it, I, it think is, what they're, I think what they're actually told to do is keep it down until the ball is in the net. Yeah. So that way, if there not a is – yeah. That, that way, yeah, you don't stop it, a goal from going in, because then VAR could overturn it. Yeah. But I think with the way that she called this, 
um, there wasn't enough evidence from VAR to overturn it. Right. Either way, if she ruled it on or if she ruled it off, I don't think there's enough either way. And that means they get stuck with what the, what the call on the field was, uh, unfortunately, because I thought that was, you know, what, what a great story that would have been coming in here and being like, Yakamakas comes in and scores, you know, first appearance for Atlanta. They got their new Joseph, right? We could go, we could go overreact uh, on that as well. But uh, unfortunately that, but let's switch to the Toronto side of this, by the way, Toronto, um, they had to start kind of tough to, road games right we've talked about that they now go to face what crew is it um because i remember them being like a three-game gauntlet that we were just talking about but so yeah the crew you're right crew, right at, at toronto so we have now looking at that they've got one point they lost against dc late they had a lead here and blew it they almost got the loss here if that's ruled on side Again, I'm worried about Toronto. I'm worried about how they're going. I mean, it was nice Bernadeschi gets the goal. But th- this team as a whole, Sean Johnson looked good at times. And then it's like, I, don't know, I feel like right now this team isn't doing enough. Again, it's two weeks in. Don't want to overstate that. But it's just, you know, we're looking at Bradley's tenure as a whole now, not just the first two games of the season. And I thought this was you know, such a great signing for Toronto. And so far it hasn't really panned out. Yeah. I I guess if you're going to take away something positive for it, they're XG uh, against. So uh, opposing teams have an XG of like right around one. So tightening it up a little bit defensively, which was a huge concern for them last year. Chris mapinga has gone. Matt Hedges steps in. Sean Johnson now comes in as goalkeeper. Alex Bono is out. Like I think they've done enough as far as like the defense is concerned, but Jordan, I think, if we talk about this, if the Italian duo, if one of them goes down, this team's just not deep, and that's where they're going to run into a lot of problems. They're just not going to be able to run guys out to replace a lot of these guys that are going to miss time. All right, let's talk about the disappointment of the night here, <laughs> on my end anyway. Inter-Miami to Philadelphia Union nil. Uh, Union just didn't have it last night at all. Miami scored two great goals, like two really great goals. You know, the second one was the best goal, and people were saying that's the only way you can beat the Union. No, obviously not, because the the Union didn't look great. Um, And and because that was the second goal, uh, so they already had a goal advantage on us. But, you know, Robert Taylor Taylor was the one that scored the second goal. But uh, Phil Neville said he was very impressed after not creating much because there was a while where they didn't really create that many chances Either two shots on goal, two of those go into the back of the net, of course. But here's the thing that I think people are not really talking about too much when it comes to Miami is the fact that they have two clean sheets to start the season. Um, and they've won their first two games of the season, which, Logan, we talked about St. Louis doing that. Uh, they're the fourth club in history to do that as a new club. But Miami has never won the first two games of their season until this year. Yeah, they, they've got more points than the new DP. So, I mean, that's always a good start to the season. But now, uh, jokes aside, I mean, Phil Neville was thrilled. I mean, he's thrilled with the way that they look defensively. And that's a big thing with Miami that you and I have talked about because defensively, they've just tried to band-aid the back. Like, uh, who was the guy they brought? Was it Shawcross? Was that who it was that they brought in from? 
Yeah, he was there, right? <laughs> yeah, at some point. <laughs> Barely. Right? Yeah, I have right. to look up how long he was there now. Right. I was going to say, because they've gone through center backs and defensive players like nobody's business. I mean, they I think they've had every defender employed at some point in time because they just are trying to find somebody. Luckily, DeAndre Yedlin uh, worked out for him and worked out well. How, but... how many games? How many games do you think he played? Three. Twelve. Okay. I really didn't think he played that much because he was not talked about a ton. 12 games. Uh, he is actually the assistant coach for Inter-Miami 2 right now. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, weird. I, guess. I didn't know that. But yeah. No, we, Phil... You were just talking about Phil Neville being yeah. so happy. Something tells me he wasn't very happy today watching the Manchester United game. No, no. <laughs> it was funny because they had, uh, I forget, Nigel, the guy that does it with the, the wrap-up, and he was talking about, um, you know, what – if he had any fun stories about Phil Neville and he's like, no, nothing appropriate for TV uh, about <laughs> Phil. Uh, but he did ask like, what does he think about Phil Neville and, and this inter Miami team? And they said, you know, once Phil figured out uh, how to get talent into this team and that he started to kind of get the, the players that he needed to kind of fill out this, uh, this 11 and, and that depth, it, it was going to be a problem for the rest of the league just because of how brilliant of a soccer mind he is. I think we're starting to see a little bit of it now. That's a huge win to, to beat Philadelphia. Uh, and I know it's a, it's in Miami and it's second week. Uh, on the flip side, if you're Philadelphia Union fans, I, I wouldn't be concerned too much just because, again, it's second week. Uh, if this was like the seventh or eighth week, you'd start to go, okay, that's a little strange. Like, it, you know, but I think Miami's a good team. And I think if they well, add you one know, more piece, they're, they're a good team to compete. Yeah, my, Miami has played the Union tough before. I think we yeah. talked about that. Yeah. But I, I'm a little worried. If you're a union fan, I think you're a little worried um, because there's a few things, right? There, there's curtains last year, right, on contract. So you kind of worry about that. Uh, but what you also worry about is they didn't look great the first half against the crew. They turned it on, but also they got help, two penalties, right, to, to kind of get them back in the game and get the lead and make it look a little bit more flattering than it was. And in this game, they looked almost exactly like they did in the first half of the crew game and just couldn't get anything, anything going, you know, no attack that really had no attack. And that's worrisome because they had such a good attack last year. Um, so, uh, there's, I think, a little bit reason to be worried, and, and especially when it comes to Champions League, right? When we're going to the Champions League, so Union did create 11 shots, by the way, and four on goal, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel like it at all. Um, but when we're looking at Champions League, they had to go right from the game yesterday, pretty much. Today, they flew to El Salvador for their Champions League match, which is on like Tuesday, right? Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday. And, and that's worrisome because usually we want our clubs to be kind of, usually Champions League actually starts before the season and we kind of struggle because of that. This year it's two weeks into the season. So teams are still a little rusty, but now you have to go and play two legs uh, in the Champions League and you're hoping, you're hoping it'll pan out. And then the fact too that, What's worrisome as well, I know I'm going to keep using that word, but the first game, it was pretty much the strongest lineup that they could put out there, struggled first half, 
this game, they ran it out with the same lineup when we know we have a game on Tuesday. So i just kind of wondering how we're going to approach the Champions League game uh, for the Union. So I don't know, just kind of uh, where, where I'm at as a, a Union fan. I saw kind of similar sentiment and just like how bad the game was for them um, yesterday as well on, on my timeline. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I, but I still think second week it's just it's just so rusty and messy and we're supposed to overreact. Okay, um, <laughs> I think I think the union might be in trouble. Wooden spoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is our week to overreaction. They might beat somebody over the head with a wooden spoon, but not, not actually get <laughs> No, but Miami should be good. I think uh, you know when we're looking yeah. at it, I think this is a, a team that can make a jump a little bit more this year than. Maybe we had predicted originally. I forget where we put them. I think you were down on Miami, weren't you? Let's see. I have it pulled up. It says. Oh, yeah. Miami. You have them 10th. I have yeah. them 9th. I have them at least making the playoffs, Logan. Oh, wow. Throw me you're under gonna, the. Hypothetical you're going to you're gonna have to revise that now. But yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they'll, I think they'll have a good. A good run here, but let's let's move on to New England. I don't think there's too much to talk about here. Three nil New England over Houston. Houston having an awful start to the season here. Bobby Wood gets his first goal as a New England Revolution player. Just a dominant performance by New England. Dewan Jones having some great passes. Uh, you know, from outside, from the outside back position, you have. Just quality decision making. New England looked like the New England of old of like 2020, 2019, whatever year it was. So pretty good. Pretty good for New England. Houston, just uh just a huge disappointment. And they're starting off with two Eastern Conference teams, too, by yeah. the way. So <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, they're just so underwhelming. Uh, they really are. Um Again, they, they could have been a safe bet um, if you're in the into the betting thing of wooden spoon. I mean, this is a, a team that I think is going to struggle mightily to score goals, and they can't defend. So <laughs> that's not a really good mix. No, not typically. New England looked great, though. I thought Carly's heel looked good. Uh, I mean, I thought they just looked bent, like you said, like the vintage uh, New England Revolution, which is fantastic news for them. Well, great um, for Bobby Wood to score, too. Yeah. Um, Coming yeah, back Bruce, from injury. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce had him playing over uh, Vironi. So mm. DP signing sitting on the bench and Bobby Wood. And then Bruce said, you know, uh, I, I played him because he scores goals in this league. <laughs> and, and, you know, Bruce is pretty uh, straightforward. So I'm sure yeah. the message is felt. Well, what if I were to tell you, Logan, that there was a nil-nil draw over the weekend and it was the first one of the season, but – you weren't there for it. It was the Red Bulls. And well, that's Nashville. good. I don't want to go to two of them. Nil, nil draw. For, it was the first draw of the season, and it was the first uh, nil, nil draw of the season. Right? We didn't have a draw before this. No draws. Nope. No, oh, yeah, Atlanta, Toronto. Oh, that's right. So that was the first yeah. draw of the season. Fake draw. But the first nil, nil draw was the Red Bulls, Nashville. And then uh, just a few seconds later, the game you went to finished nil-nil as well. I don't think there's too much to say about Nashville Red Bulls. I think, I don't know, it wasn't that great of a match. Jordan, there's four teams currently in the MLS that don't have a goal. Can you name three? 
Don't even how many teams? teams? How many teams? Four. There's three. Four teams that don't have a goal. Obviously, there's a reason I mentioned this in this game. Okay, yeah. So it's got to be Red Bull. Yeah. Houston. Yes. Wrong. No, sorry. Houston did score. Houston scored last week? Yeah, last week. I forgot. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you want a hint? There's one, or there's two in the West, two in the East. And you got one of them. Red Bulls won. Oh, my goodness. Uh, sporting. sporting. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one. And how many do I need to name? Three or four? Three. Okay, so I need one more. One in the West, one in the East now. Left. If I gave you another hand, I'd give it away completely because all you'd have to do is guess. I almost just said Orlando, but you guys scored last week. Yeah, barely. Um, dang, I'm I'm blanking on on teams in the league now. <laughs> That's fine. You're on two hours of rest, and I'm surprised you got two of them. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Bull, nobody would have guessed. Like uh, even though I gave you an ultimate hit, but I said Red Bull. Yeah, I know you did. Oh, okay, okay. I would give you another hint, but it literally there's only two of three teams that play up there. <laughs> would that be fun? Play up where? Canada. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Is it Montreal? Montreal and Vancouver. Well, Vancouver scored. Vancouver scored. No, or Colorado. Colorado, yeah, Colorado, Colorado. Wrong white (laughs) Gosh, I'm running on eight hours of sleep. I'm fine. I'm just stupid. (laughs) It's late, though. We're recording late. It's true. I can't read. I have it literally pulled up right here. (laughs) I think Cooper fans were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. We scored. We scored both games, by the way. Um all right, let's move on to Orlando Cincy because I know you got a lot to talk about with yeah. this one, and we got some clips to play. So uh, this one finished nil nil. Uh, not another uh, another not great game really from Orlando, and and Cincy, you know, played played okay. Um, let me tell you, they barely showed this on MLS 360. <laughs> like, they didn't even show it on the wrap up show. We and not? Nigel, they were like, we would go to the other nil nil draw, and I'm like, so you threw up the Red Bull one. Uh, no, no, wait, no, they didn't throw that one up either. They just don't throw up the, the nil nils. Cause it like, I just did a podcast. I talked 20 minutes about the game. Cause I'm sitting here going, what the hell do I talk about? Like, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I, and I felt weird. Cause so I'm in the press yesterday, like my first press, uh, like media um, coverage of the team. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, there's really just nothing I can like write or tweet right now. Besides none of these teams seem to know how to put it all together at the end. <laughs> Like, you got creative sometimes though where I you're did. like well because you can speak generically and i'm looking yeah. for you know i'm looking for things that I, I think throughout the season they become something like barrio looked good i think he's got a great chance of being a, a special player for cincinnati creating on the left hand side in behind brenner uh oftentimes or vasquez depending on who ends up on each side of the, the striking course so it, again uh lucho acosta fantastic i thought the orlando defense was phenomenal um but again sitting there thinking about all the things I could be writing. I think the biggest takeaways from me is Cincinnati still have one of the best attacks, even though they don't score. They just, I'm looking around at all their options. I'm going, 
why where do you stop them if they're all three still here you don't stop them like lucho's going to create for branner brandon like it could be freaking barial like it, it doesn't matter who's there um and i think that's one thing and then i think orlando's defense if they get antonio carlos back you're looking back at like a really strong defensive duo. And, and that's what Pat said. And we kind of get into the next couple of clips just, just because this is what they talked about. But before, uh, before you play the clip, yeah, go ahead. I, I just have a question for you. Like how long do you think it'll take for them to gel? I mean, uh, e- even the people that when they did point out yeah. the, like the one time this, they showed on the three of 60, they're talking about how there's opportunities to play some of those forward balls, but they weren't taking them um, and kind of more, holding onto the ball or going backwards or going sideways. So uh, I wonder, is that, you know, Perea's teams are are usually pretty good offensively in his history. So I'm kind of wondering how long you think that'll take. It's only week two, but you have a Champions League game coming up as well. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, you know, we'd all like the answer to it. But I think realistically, if I had to pinpoint like a, a specific month, I think May, um, I think two months into the season, um, if you get past two months in the season of not playing well, you're just not good. Uh, so you've got a lot of ground to make up. And, and it's easier in this league just because it's so volatile. It, it just seems like it's up and down, up and down all over the place. And it's just inconsistent most of the time. You can have a really good stretch in June and July and be back in it. But if you don't have an attack going forward in May, I think that's when you have to start looking for options, right? you got to look for uh, somebody that can step in as a number nine. Um, I think – uh, you know, uh, Enrique Romero, like Enrique's out. Um, I think uh, Duncan McGuire is a good option up top, but Jordan, until they figure out if Air John Cara can actually be the number nine, they really need him to be uh, in front of those creative players like Martino Hato, Mauricio Pereira, uh, or uh, Facundo Torres. I still don't think you have a, a consistent answer on how good this attack can be because I don't think Air, Conchar, Air John Cara is consistent or reliable enough. And without that, I, I just feel like this team just isn't going to get over that hump of being a really special team. Um, so and he was awful last night. Like I'll be straight up honest. He had nine touches in the first half. I got wow. the stat sheet and I was like, that's unbelievable. Like that's and nine <laughs> bad touches, like nine touches of he might as well have been playing for Cincinnati's defensive midfield. Like that's how bad uh, it, it was. And, I, you know, I, I feel bad because I, I, I think he's got good talent. I think that he – but it just doesn't like there's something about the fit with him. Like, I just don't see it. And, and I think, you know, their other options are so much better. Um, and, I, and I think that's what they'll uh, figure out. So I'm interested to kind of see what happens um, with Air Junkara. He is a DP, so you want to play him. But he, he could be one of those DPs that in 12 games you go, OK, maybe it's time to kind of go somewhere else and figure out what to do. Great. All right, go ahead. Play, play some of your clips or talk more about your experience, I guess, in, in the press box. Yeah, so uh, I think the first one I'll, I'll do is um, we, we talked to Pat Noonan first, and uh, it's great because uh, the lady that does the press conference is much like probably uh, some of the other ones, but she was great at running, it, and so was he, uh, the guy that was doing it. And basically they came in and they sat down, and their first questions asked is like, all right, like normal or like usual what I'm going to ask you is just to kind of go over your thoughts on the game. So that way we get a good sense of like what they feel. So that's good to kind of kick that off. If anybody's ever wondered how that goes, I was always interested, but that the first person's usually the PR person of saying like, you know, summarize the game. Here's some of the stuff that you need to know. Like, uh, and then it kicked off. Um, 
Pat Noonan was first and he talked about uh, Orlando and he talked about getting a point at, in Orlando. So I'll play that clip and then we'll kind of talk about it. But I, it, it's interesting to hear his thoughts on, on the way that he thinks about Orlando City. I was really, really pleased with uh, our group's performance tonight. I mean, Orlando's a, a tough team. I know they had to, to rotate some bodies, but, you know, they still have some some good players that were on the field tonight. And uh, I thought our uh, improvement with the ball was significant and, and allowed us to move the ball um, for long stretches to uh, to be able to find, you know, different ways of trying to go to goal. Um, and I thought defensively didn't concede a whole lot. Our, our group um, did a really good job of, of limiting – you know, the moments of isolation where they have a lot of creativity um, in and around goal. And, you know, our set-piece defending improved. So uh, a lot of uh, good improvements from uh, from our guys. So I was really pleased with that. Yeah, so the, Pat was uh, very pleased that they got out of there with one point because he, he went on to say that Orlando is one of the most difficult places to come and play. Uh, he said with weather, the fans just in general, it's so difficult. And the way that Orlando plays defensively, they like to just get in your face and really just kind of muddy things up. And I mean, I, I agree with them. They hold, they usually have the double pivot holding uh, midfield, defensive midfield, and and they just take you out. So it, it really is. It's, a, it's an interesting thought that uh, Pat was like, no, this is a good team. Like you can tell in their creative bits that. Uh, they are going to to kind of put this together. They've got talent up front, and I think that's something that Pat was throughout the whole press conference. He's like, "No, this is this is a good team. Like you can see it in, in the way that they do create, the way that they do build up chances. They just didn't put it together tonight, and I think that was something that was pretty cool with Pat. Every time I see that Cincinnati crest, I just think how much their older one was better. But um... <laughs> <laughs> I blew it up nice and big for you. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean that was uh, that was some good. Um, always good to get the perspective of the uh, of the opposing coach. Um, it is weird because Pat Pat Brent, I think it's Brennan Brennan, I think over for uh, Cincinnati Inquirer or whatever it was. Uh, it, he's the beat writer for Cincinnati. He was the only Cincinnati person there in per. Or, only Cincinnati rider there in person. And it was like he sat down, and as soon as Pat sat down, he kind of looked at Pat, the other Pat, and went. It's, uh, this is just going to be a conversation between you and I <laughs> that I was like, I, I didn't know how to ask questions, Jordan. Like I was so confused. I couldn't figure it out because like, I think you get in a rotation, but like I didn't see anybody raising their hands. And then the mic just kept going back and forth between people. I'm like, I, I don't know how that, I don't know how that works. So I, I, I've got to ask. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. Yeah, Cause next time, I mean, you, cause yeah. you can, you can ask questions right. for, for them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I felt completely comfortable. I thought, you know, asking, uh, I, I thought uh, asking a question such as like, you know, watching Lucho play like he does, how important is he for that? Something like that. Like how important is he for this midfield going forward in this attack? And, you know, what, what kind of chances does he usually create that really are, you know, that didn't really, you didn't see tonight. So, uh, but yeah, then then Oscar came in and, w- and we were talking to Oscar Um and uh, Jordan, they're both very, very nice people. Um, both very polite, uh, uh, very enjoyable to talk to. Uh, so I, that was a lot of fun. It made it made it more relaxed uh, when you got guys that come in and just are having fun. Oscar had a blast. He 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 just always smiling. So um, that was pretty cool. But yeah, so we we sat down. We were talking to Oscar Pereja, and he uh, gave his thoughts on the nil nil draw. And actually, I thought. 
for the most part, he was about 95% positive. There's only a little bit of negativity in this one, um, but I'll play what he thought about the draw with Cincy. Um, well, under the circumstances and obviously with uh, uh, the good rival that we had in front and uh, guys debuting and, and putting that performance there, we're proud, we're happy. Uh, of uh, just getting getting a result at home, we need to win. But this this team is uh, this team needs to balance those things. You know, we we when we cannot win it, just get the result and work out with the point that we gotta take it. But there's a lot of positive things that we recognize tonight, and especially the players that are coming new with the team and and. And making us better, so we're we're proud. Yeah, and he, he goes on to just say that um, the you know the people kept asking him. The, I knew this would come up, but people just kept asking like CCL related, like if it was MLS related or this game related. They threw his CCL in because they did. They rotated five players in. Um, they didn't really have a, a strong attacking front that played in the first match. Um, so they're, they're guys that didn't really have a lot of game experience going into this match. Um, they started a, a rookie center back in Abdi Salim, or Salim um, who I got to talk to. But it, he, you know, Oscar did a lot of rotation, and a lot of it was due to, in fact, to the part that where they're going down to Mexico to play Tigres uh, for Champions League. And so he talked a little bit about the importance of that that competition. He, he kept saying, he goes, I don't want to talk about CCL. I don't want to talk about CCL. And then towards the end, Felini goes, Oscar, with how much time that you don't have between this game and the next game and local media won't really be able to mm -hmm. cover it and nobody will really be able to talk to you pregame, can you talk a little bit about CCL? And he kind of looked at her like, yeah, okay. And then <laughs> he was like happy to do it. But it was funny because he kept saying the whole time, we're not talking about CCL. We're not talking about TV's. Like, that's a different time. And then he went on to talk about it, which I thought was pretty funny. But here's his thoughts on CCL and what it means uh, for this club. Uh, the last two days, uh, and I asked the boys that we're not going to talk about Tigres. We have to focus on uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. And then you had in the back in your mind that you have to take care of the players, that you have to uh, rotate players, that you have to bring Faku out and he was mad at me <laughs> and then I say don't get mad at me you you know that you're gonna come out they wanted to do it and then all these things and now we finish and now we have Tigres in front of us it's uh one of the best teams in the territory uh one of the best teams in the uh competition uh, they are the Super Tigres in Mexico and all those things, but we are Orlando City and we're going to go there with faith, with character, and we know we can do this thing. And we're going to represent what we earn. And now we are in mode Tigres and we're going to travel tomorrow. Quick turnaround, now Cincinnati's gone, and now we go to Monterrey with positivism, with energy, and taking Orlando City to international competition for the first time, and we're proud. So again, huge uh, uh, repercussion, or not repercussion, I guess the, the anxiousness that he feels for going to Mexico, um, I think the implications that it has for this city and, and this league, uh, I think is massive. And again, I, I think he was just beaming because he, he finally brought Orlando City to a place where we never get to go. 
Um, so I think that's cool. Jordan, you guys have been there before, so I know you can speak. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that because, uh, you know, I saw you retweet, the, you know, the video of them pressing, you know, the, the Champions League uh, badge mm-hmm. on the sleeve and just wondering, like, how, how did that make you feel? I feel like that would be like a giddy moment seeing that it's actually <laughs> – actually, even though you have to face off against, like, the toughest teams, but – yeah, it's to be exciting. Yeah, it's a it's a weird feeling. It's surreal. Um, it would be like seeing Seattle go up against um, a, a team like Real Madrid, uh, getting to the Club World Cup because they've done well in Champions League. So just the prospect of us being able to play in competitions this big, to play Tigres, and then to be able to play uh, teams uh, in Mexico and Liga Mekis that you just grew up watching. Um, especially if you're uh, a little bit younger than I, because I think Mexican soccer was always on TV. Um, You watched it when Mexican soccer was pretty much the only thing on TV and MLS got some kind of back burner uh, coverage on some odd network, but it, it, it just seems surreal at this point. And I think Oscar too kind of felt that. Um, And then it was interesting to kind of hear Gaston and them talk about it was just, this doesn't feel real because they're getting a chance to go to Mexico. Cool. Do you want to play the clip of your question? That yeah. You so I asked a question to to Abdi Salim, who is the center back from Syracuse, got his first MLS uh, playing time start. Uh, it's a massive, massive game. Uh, Cincinnati, a big rival. But I wanted to ask him how it felt to play in front of these fans that he's just been kind of dreaming of since probably he's a little kid. I know fans were happy to see you play. Uh, how did it feel getting in front of the wall and kind of playing in front of these fans that are so passionate? At first, I was nervous because like I'm just standing there and I'm looking on. Crazy, but once I just kind of block that and just focus on my game, and because if I focus on that, they'll be pleased. So I'm happy. They're happy with my performance. He was elated the whole time he was talking. He's just got a big smile on his face. Um, a nil-nil draw. I mean, he did his job. Uh, he played well defensively. I mean, really well. Uh, anchored. He was right in the middle uh, in front of Galese. And so anything that he didn't do was was going to be exposed. And they asked him, uh, what you know, what was it like as your first game you step in? You had to play the likes of Lucho Acosta, Brenner, and Brandon Vasquez. And he said, they're fast and strong. And they're a lot faster and stronger than me. And I think that's something that I've got to get used to in this league is just how quick it moves and how physical these guys are. Speaking of anchor, if you want to start a podcast, you can <laughs> anchor. <dot. laughs> All right, let's get, let's get through the rest of these games. Austin beat Montreal one nil. They left it late, eighty eighth minute uh, goal by Yerudi. Um, there you go, Montreal now one of four teams without a goal. Uh, yeah, they haven't looked really good at all. They lost a lot of their um, good talent. So Austin gets, uh, you know, I try to stay away from must win, but when you're looking at two home games against two teams you're expected to beat, they're only walking away with three points. You're expecting at least four. You want the six. So the fact that it was even getting super late, I know they played better. You know, like if you look at the XG, if you look at the stats, they played better. But ultimately we count the game by goals. So they – Oh, they almost didn't win this game. Uh, you know, they almost left it a nil-nil draw, and they'd be having one point in two home games. They would be not doing so well. So, so they had to win this game, as much as a week two game can be a must-win. But just good for Austin to kind of get 
they're they're going to have Champions League this week as well, so we'll see how they do um, on that. But just uh, good for Austin. Um, Montreal just I don't I don't really know what to make of them at this point. Nothing, <laughs> nothing to make of them. Uh, but no, yeah, you're right. I think Austin breathing a sigh of relief because oof, could you imagine if they came out of that game? Uh, which yeah. is the point. Yikes. I think pitchforks would have been out at that moment. Yep. I think so too. But you know who got a point though? Chicago. Yeah. They, they get a point in their first ever game of the season against NYCFC. Um, Herbers ties it late in the 77th minute. Good first point for the fire. NYCFC continue to be disappointing. You know, I, I don't really know what to make of NYCFC either. They're kind of like a Montreal where they were both teams that were very good last year. Change of just things in the club, managers, players, uh, for both these teams that have just kind of got shifted around here. And now NYCFC didn't bring that many people in. Uh, they didn't look great against Nashville. Um, they didn't score last week. They scored this week. But still, not. I don't know. This this is a club, like we said, we should be having higher expectations for NYCFC. So the fact that they're like so bottom, not doing so hot, is just an absolute. I'm gonna sound like a, I, I'm tired. I'm probably sound like a '90s surfer dude. I was about to say like such a huge bummer, you know, <laughs> that they couldn't, <laughs> they can't get it going. Bummer, but. It's true. I mean, I don't really know what else to say about NYCFC until they turn it around. I think they can, you know, in the summer bring some more talent in. But, you know, how late do you want to leave it? Now there's nine playoff spots, as we keep saying every week since we learned that. And, you know, so they, they got the wiggle room. But uh, Chicago, hey, you know, we've, we've been kind of stoking the fire, uh, you know, pun intended there, on how bad they were going to be this season and uh one game one point just at home but uh i don't know like maybe they should have beat nycfc like how bad is nycfc how bad is this fire team that's kind of like what we don't know right now when you only have fire playing one game nycfc have played two and this is the frustrating thing about MLS, especially when there's uneven number of teams, is when that we get to the stage of this team's played five, this team's played three, and you're trying to figure out how exactly they match up. It can be a frustrating experience. Yeah, I think NYCFC is going to give up goals, and they're not going to match them like they used to with when Tati was there. Um, so I think that's where you – and like you said, Jordan, if you're going 1-1 with, with Chicago – what do you think? I mean, I mean, if you're an NYCFC fan, that's a team you should easily beat. Uh, they're not a good team, I don't think. Uh, and I, I think especially you should score, even if you're on the road. Um, but NYCFC just left a lot to be desired. I think Santi Rodriguez will help. Uh, he's been a good help um, over the last couple of, eight, I think, 18 months that he's been with the club, uh, kind of on a loan deal. But filling into that midfield, he's got to have somebody at the end of it. And I'm not sure if Tyce Magno or – you know, Gabby's gonna gonna be that guy up top that's gonna score a lot of goals and put them away like Tati did. No, Magno, you know, is, is most people want him to see him more on the wing. Uh, he's not really like a number nine in that sense. So I guess we'll see 
do they bring in a number nine? Do they do, they do something that'll sure? They know, had they had a number play. nine that left, but I can't remember who that was. <laughs> a bear, that's right, that's who it was. Yes, got, yeah, an interleague trade too, Yikes. which uh, not a good look for them. He's got two goals on the season and looks um, great. Dallas three, Galaxy one. L.A. had lost six straight in Frisco. You can tally another there, I guess, because Galaxy take the lead and Dallas storm back. Hayes is fair with the brace. There was an equalizer from Velasco. Um, there you go, right? Um, three one. You know, I was thinking one nil. Uh, it was Jovalich, who, of course, is getting more playing time due to Chicharito's injury. And you're thinking, maybe L.A.'s kind of, you know, this is L.A.'s first game of the season. Maybe they're kind of um, going to be starting off really well. Dallas kind of disappointed last week. Nope, Dallas comes back. Hazers Fair, who missed quite a few chances last week, comes back and scores two this week, kind of getting him back in the uh, swing of things. My golden boot choice finally off the mark. <laughs> yeah, fantastic two. There you got. He's got two. It looks good. Uh, Jordan, big thing with LA Galaxy. They they didn't defend well last year, and it's not off to a good start. Chris Mavinga looked awful um, as a center back uh, for LA Galaxy. They brought him over from Toronto. Uh, Greg knows him from his time in Toronto and got caught ball watching quite a bit. <laughs> it's like, did you just forget? And then also um, Raheem Edwards. Same thing. Uh, defensive issues. The first ball that goes to Paul Ariola that they both of them don't clear, and Ariola just makes a fool of all of them to get it to Velasco. It was a joke. I mean, if you're a professional athlete, defensive player, and that's like the two goals they gave up, just not, not acceptable. Um, both of them just not great looks for LA Galaxy and their defensive issues. Uh, they'll score goals this year. I'm, I'm not concerned about that, but again. Can they really rely on Bond to kind of sit back there and stop everything that comes at him? Rapids nil, SKC nil. Uh, just both te- both of these teams just not really off to to a good start here. Both of them are teams that have not scored, like you pointed out before. Yappy had thought he had scored. This was caught as offside. Um. Yarborough scored, making some good saves. But SKC, I, I kind of said it what in the previous show. This is a game they should go out there and try to win. Yeah. I mean, you should try to win every game. But don't I mean, try to win. Yeah, don't try to win. There's no. tanking now, right? No, yeah, but, no. Uh, you know, Colorado got stomped by Seattle 4-0. SKC, I thought, played pretty decently against Portland, just couldn't score a goal. And in this game, can't score a goal. And uh, that's that's a problem, I think, that they had, you know, obviously last year and kind of looking ahead to see, is this going to be a continuation? Because I had SKC rebounding. <laughs> so kind of worried about my prospects of, uh, of our previews. Predictions. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to come down to scoring goals and they, they're looking to add defensively. And not and- – and not- Giving up goals, right? right. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, they, they add defensively, right? They go and look to yeah. add defensively. They add Danny um, Rosero, who we talked about. He was but in Rojas. Rojas, Danny Rojas. If they did add Danny Rojas, it, I think it'd be better. They'd the be attack, able to score. Yeah. Right? 
Um, but yeah, uh, da- Darren Yappy, though, I- I'm excited for because I-, I think just watching him, he just looks like he has fun. He's going to score a lot of goals in this league, and he's only 18 years old. So uh, I'm-, I'm excited to see how he kind of pans out in Colorado. He might need a different team um, or-, or a whole lot of players to come with him because Colorado look awful so far. And like I said, Jordan, Robin Frazier, you and I talked about it, where he could be one of those people that's seats very yeah. warm right now. San Jose uh, beat Vancouver 2-1. This is another game, Logan, that Vancouver, as much as you didn't think they had scored, they scored in this game first and then give up, just like they did against RSL last week, two goals to lose the game. Um, you know, Ibobasi, um, Agapo, you know, scoring uh, – Scoring these game, uh, sc- scoring these games, scoring these goals, uh, late for San Jose to make it a two-one victory for them. Um, so a good rebound for San Jose. I think we had said that Vancouver. Um, that was one of the fun facts. Vancouver did pretty well against San Jose. Um, so San Jose at home beat the Whitecaps. So that's, I guess, a big deal. And then looking at Seattle, they win two-nil over RSL. Jordan Morris scoring again. Hey Bear scoring again. They, they just look like Seattle just looks unreal at this point. So if we go ahead and look at the standings in the West, Seattle in first place with six points, St. Louis in second with six, just like we all thought, LAFC in third with three points, Dallas in fourth, Minnesota in fifth, Austin in sixth, San Jose in seventh, Portland in eighth, Salt Lake in ninth. All those teams have three points underneath of St. Louis. And if the playoffs were to end, the playoffs were to start today, those are your playoff teams. Below that line is Kansas City and Colorado with one point each. And then the teams that still have zero points in the West, Vancouver, L.A., and Houston. Houston with a negative four goal differential, which is currently leading for Wooden Spoon. Since the Eastern Conference has Miami top with six points, New England in second with six, Nashville in third with fourth, Atlanta in fourth with four points, Cincy in fifth, Orlando in sixth. Those are the teams that have four points. Teams with three points are Philly in seventh, D.C. in eighth, Columbus in ninth. Those those would be your playoff teams. Outside of the playoffs currently, with one point each, is Chicago, Toronto, Red Bulls, and NYCFC. And the teams with zero points, Charlotte and Montreal, both of those teams with negative three goal differential. So we have some Champions League games. We talked about that on Wednesday, but we have on Tuesday, Austin is going to face Violet Alianza versus Philadelphia. That's at 8 o'clock Eastern on FS1. Tigris versus Orlando at 10 o'clock. I think that's FS2. Wednesday, Vancouver hosts Real España. And Thursday, Aluense versus LAFC at 10 p.m. Moving on to the MLS schedule for next Saturday. These games kick off starting at 12 o'clock. This game is on Apple TV, and it is free, and it is also on Fox. Charlotte versus Atlanta, hosted by Charlotte. 5 o'clock, Vancouver hosts Dallas. This one is free as well here. Cincinnati 730 hosting Seattle, which should be a fun game. D.C. versus Orlando at 7.30. NYCFC and Miami at 
Philadelphia hosting Chicago Fire at 7.30. Toronto versus Columbus at 7.30. SKC at 8.30 hosting LA Galaxy. That'll be battle of the bottom right now. Minnesota, 8.30, host New York Red Bulls. Nashville, this game is free, hosting Montreal at 8.30. Salt Lake hosting Austin at 9.30, that one's free. Portland and St. Louis at 10.30, that one's free. And San Jose, Colorado at 10.30, that one is also free. On Sunday, we have one game, LAFC versus New England at 10.30. On the season pass. So just a reminder real quick of which ones are free. Charlotte and Atlanta. Cincinnati, Seattle. Nashville, Montreal. RSL, Austin. San Jose, Colorado. And Portland for St. Louis. Any games stick out to you there, Logan, that you're looking forward to? Yeah, uh, I would say, honestly, the St. Louis and Portland game. It's at Providence Park, but uh, six points, Jordan, for St. Louis. Uh, so they're looking to make it nine at Providence. Imagine, uh, we talked about this earlier on the show. So if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it. But man, uh, I can't imagine it, what the league would be like if they bounced it on its head and got nine points out of three matches. Yeah, uh, so here's the schedule for the rest of the week. We previewed games today because Logan and I are both busy this week. Our friend Matt is getting married, so we got a lot of uh, groomsmen duties to handle this week. So no Wednesday episode. What you're going to get Wednesday, of course, is the next episode of our Ted Lasso recaps. Thursday, I am releasing the first episode of The Closed Pyramid, which is a look at lower league soccer, hence named that because there's no... Pro rele- uh, promotion relegation in this soccer pyramid. Um, so that's going to be previewing USL season, uh, which starts this Saturday as well. So we look through how 2022 went and looking ahead to 2023 for USL stuff. And then um, we'll be back probably Monday. I should be back in the uh, back home on Monday. So probably should be able to continue our normal podcasts then but uh thank you for kind of dealing with probably i would say lower sound quality i don't know this room's kind of probably echoey but wanted to make sure we still got this knocked out for you but if you want to give us reviews on apple Podcasts, spotify or if you want to reach us on twitter instagram facebook it is at stateside show or you can email us stateside show at gmail.com thank you all for joining us today and have a great rest of your week and we'll catch you next time. Tomorrow throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.